Thanks, guys. Why don't we just give a round of applause for Jesus? Jesus! Thank you, Lord. Why don't we give a round of applause for our wonderful worship team here, who, uh, I said this in the first service, and we're in the second service now. They wake up so early to come here on on Sunday mornings and just willing and and able to serve with the gifts and talents they've got. Uh, And it's just amazing. We really appreciate you guys ushering into the presence of the Lord. I was sitting there during the worship and uh, my daughter was getting a nappy change. I was trying to be spiritual and, um, and I was just, you know, seeking the Lord for a word for you guys because I got a word for the first service people and I wasn't getting anything for you guys. Sorry. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, but it doesn't end like that. So I was trying to get a word, you know, I was sitting there. I was like, Lord, what do you want to speak to, to, your, to your family this morning? And um, I was getting nothing. And then I just got this sense of, oh, man. And then God just said to me, Nathan, you're trying too hard. I'm a try hard, um, you know, trying too hard, and uh, and I, I also got this sense of peace and, and rest in that that sense of stop trying so hard, and I felt the Lord was saying that for me, but then encouraging all of us, man, we strive and we struggle and we try so hard to you know to make something happen and to be spiritual and to get a word and to pray and to do whatever we're doing. And I just feel the Lord saying, stop trying so hard. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that word this morning that you don't have to strive and struggle. And God doesn't call you to that, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your workplaces, whether it's in, you know, your own personal finances, whatever. You're striving and you're struggling and the Lord is calling you to peace. He's calling you to a place of rest, you know, and those who have faith enter into his rest, you know. So we can do that this morning and I pray and hope that this word encourages you to do that this morning. So um, why don't we uh, put up the first slide there. Who's excited to be in church this morning? I know we're kind of questioning whether we're going to do it or not. So it's great that we're actually uh, all here this morning. And who's blessed with uh, Pastor Justin and Chrissy? I'll tell you, man, like one of the things that... What I, <laughs> amen. When I, when I first came to this church, when my wife and I walked in, um, you know, one of the first things we noticed was the genuine leadership in, in Pastor Justin and Christy, Chrissy and their genuine hunger and, and see, seeking the Lord. And, you know, that's something that really attracted us to this, this church. And I want to be genuine and authentic with you this morning as well and just share some things that I've learned over my journey as a psychologist and um, also be able to share some personal experiences and practical things that I pray and hope will encourage you in your relationship with the Lord this morning. So let's get into it. Um, so why can I talk about mental health for the believer? And that's what I really wanted to speak on this morning because it's something that's so important, you know, like um, Kent was saying, we've all got a mind. Sometimes I question whether I've got a brain, but you know, some of the things I do and say, it's like, man, how stupid was that? But, you know, we've all got a mind, we've all got a brain, we've all got the, um, you know, this, this personal experiences that we all go through in life that we struggle with, we go through troubles and triumph, um, and, tr- and I'll start again, and traumas and things that we go through in life and how we deal with it is really important in terms of how we uh, experience our life and our world. My personal experience, um, I went through a whole bunch of stuff as a teenager and mental health issues and all sorts of things and a lot of it was tied in with religion. A lot of it was tied in with my religious background and what I'd gone through as a kid and being indoctrinated with uh, a religious mindset of God and I saw God as like a, uh, a lawmaker, someone who would tell me off Someone, if I stepped out of line and um, didn't read the Bible one morning, 
I'd be, I'd be in trouble, you know, something bad was going to happen to me that day. So it was kind of like I was fending off the devil by doing good works, you know. Um, and, and God was just this, like, you know, really strict father figure for me. And it just, it, you know, by the, I, I shared this this morning. By the time I was about 11, 12, I was just over it. And I had this um, experience, which seems funny now, but uh, I, I, was, I watched this movie from back in the 60s. I'm not that old, but I watched it when I was old, you know. But I watched it, and it was an old movie about the rapture. And I don't know if you've watched that, um, uh, what's it called? I can't remember now, but this old movie, um, Left Behind, I think it was called, or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> and I was about 11, 12, and I'd watch this movie at church, and then I, I, I kind of had this experience when I was at home, I didn't realize everyone had just gone to the local milk bar. Uh, remember those? They'd all gone to the local milk bar, and I was left at home, and I didn't realize that, so I thought everyone got raptured. And uh, I was screaming, I was crying, I was like, oh no, I've been left behind, I wasn't good enough. Ah." You know, again, this horrible religious um, mindset with God. And that just made me so bitter towards God, even though it wasn't true. It wasn't, it was rubbish, it was not true. And and obviously my family came back, it's fine, I'm okay, it wasn't abuse. Um, And, you know, and then I was able to, you know, obviously learn what they actually did. But something inside me, that planted a seed of bitterness and negativity toward God. And, you know, from that point, I stopped reading the Bible. I, I didn't really want anything to do with God, didn't want anything to do with church. When people would talk to me about God, I just shut down. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, and I just had a negative mindset and, a, and an experience and a relationship with God. And that was my own personal experience. So I started trying to figure stuff out on my own, just do my own thing, go through life, whatever, do what makes me happy. Um, and then all the same time, trying to, you know, ignore this voice in my mind and the Spirit of God drawing me back to Him in a real way. Um, just ignoring it. So that caused a lot of anguish in me and, and in my own journey as in my teenage years. And I started going into an academic experience. So in my early 20s, I went to uni and trying to figure myself out, like trying to understand what on earth is wrong with me. And that's a bad thing to try to do sometimes. Um, so it sent me down a real rabbit trail. And I ended up going into psychology and study, studying that area, trying to figure me out and using the world's principles and strategies and ways to do that. So philosophy 101 and going through all the tautological reasoning and asking questions about this and why and that and that and trying to answer these questions that, you know, the academic side of things can't actually answer those deep questions, those meaning, what's the purpose and meaning of my life? And if you try to get so cognitive on things, you know, there's nothing wrong with thinking. In fact, that's my whole profession. But it's about understanding that those, the science, the psychology is not designed, it's not meant to answer those deep, meaningful questions that we all have. And so what I realized after my (laughs) lightning fast mind, uh, after a number of years, I realized I need a spiritual experience, right? I need to encounter God. And so that's what I started to do. I started to seek God through different religions and different things and ended up opening the Bible again uh, after, you know, since I was like 11, 12 years old, not wanting to touch it. Started reading the Bible again and it just hit me in a place that I've never been hit before. It's like, oh man, this is something real. This is true. This is something inside of me is waking up right now. No one knew that I was doing it. It wasn't about boasting or anything like that. It was just personally for me seeking. And God said, when you seek him, you will find him. You know, and if you have a genuine heart and a desire to know God, to seek him, to, to you know, have that experience, man, he is seeking that more for you than you are for him. You know, so if you desire that and you're seeking him this morning, he is here, he is willing, he's wanting to do that. And he sent his son, you know, over 2,000 years ago to prove that, how much he seeks us and wants us to be in a relationship with him. 
So I had a spiritual awakening and an experience, and I started to do the Word, right? I says in James, like, don't just be a hearer of the Word, actually try to do it. So in my ignorance, in my you know, stumbling way, I started to do stuff that I, I was reading. So go pray for people to be healed. I, you know, go share my faith with colleagues at work, or I just do stuff, and it was great. I was actually experiencing this transformation in my life, and I was starting to, to actually have that seep into every other of my life as well. And this transformation was happening in my life that I couldn't deny. You know, the textbooks at uni weren't saying that this is the way or anything or, you know, other you know, experiences or uh, professors I was talking to or whatever, they, they, you know, they would disregard this experience. But for me, it was, it was like, wow, this is real. This is personal. And it's continued to be that way for the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years or something. I should actually have worked that out, sorry. But, you know, for a long period of time now, and praise God, you know, His Word is true, and His Word does transform us. And I'll touch on this a bit later, but Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the... Amen, we're in church, aren't we? So we know that scripture, right? And so that's what continued to, to happen in my life. I got ch uh, completely changed, turned around. My mom was very happy. Um, and, you know, then I had a, uh, this, this awareness of okay, I can actually use what I've learned academically and spiritually in a clinical setting, in a clinical experience. So um, I rejected psychology completely and went to Bible college and then God actually led me back into it to be able to utilize the skills and tools and strategies and, you know, the heart to want to see people changed, healed, delivered and set free. And I, I, I've been doing that for the last, you know, over 10 years now and it's been amazing and I've worked in lots of different settings. So it's been really good and it's been a journey as well as to like how do I figure that out and I want to share some of those experiences with you this morning. Practical things that have helped me personally and in, in the private practice that I've uh, had and have at the same time. So let's go to the next slide. So what is mental health? Just to define that term. There's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of media stuff, Hollywood and all that, and there can be a lot of misconceptions around what mental health is. Now the World Health Organization, whatever you think of it, Currently, I'm not too fond of it, but uh, back in 2015, before it got sold out to China, um, it says, a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential and can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to her or his community. It sounds very similar to spirit, soul, body. You know, the, the, you're having balance in your life. And what scripture talks about is in first, uh, sorry, chapter 5, uh, let's go next slide, sorry. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, right, that's, that's right there, you know. I feel like the World Health Organization plagiarized a bit, but it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that was Paul's prayer, right? Paul's superstar apostle, his prayer was for balance in the Thessalonians church. And he wants that for us as well. God wants that for us this morning as well, that balance. Often I'll have people come to me and they're asking to, you know, fix their child, but their home life is a wreck. And, you know, the, the unit, the family, the ecology of what they're, they're experiencing is a result of that with their, with their child. Or they want me to help them with their thought patterns, but, you know, they're not sleeping or they've got, you know, they're not having a healthy diet or whatever it might be it's actually about having balance you know in your life spirit soul and body so let's go to the next slide there so what does psychology seek to do you know and this is again really important and sometimes and look for me personally i've been through this journey many years ago so um i had to figure this stuff out on my own um so 
what does it actually want to do and, and seek to help people with? The number one thing, psychology, suke, psyche, is about helping people think about what they're thinking about, right? So, I mean, we are so blessed to be in a church where we get, essentially, we get like these, you know, Christian motivational talks every week and we get pumped up for the week, you know, and just amazing preaching and teaching and everything we have here. But often we don't actually stop and think about what am I thinking about? You know, what am I filling my mind with? And, you know, what am I actually, you know, recognizing those patterns of thought? And psychology, essentially, it's about helping people do that in a, in a more healthy, helpful, productive way. And as a Christian, what I try to do, you know, um, I don't, don't push my faith on people or anything like that, but I try to help people explore that if they're a Christian, to explore it from a biblical foundation. Does that line up with the Word of God? Does that line up with, you know, your true identity in Christ? Or is it a lie? Like, is it like me? Like, when I was going through, um, like, religious thing that I went through as a kid, you know, believing lies and deceptions about God led me down a path that I didn't need to go. It was, it was completely unnecessary had I known the grace and the goodness of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know? And so that's what I'm really passionate about, helping people develop healthy, healthy thinking habits. So it's not just one thought, it's about a habit. It's a habitual way of thinking. And that always comes back to your belief systems about yourself. And belief is just what you've accepted to be true. So if you accepted something to be true about yourself, that's, you know, not true or unhelpful or negative, and, you know, you're, you're defining your life experience through that event or through whatever it might be, you're going to have a, a pattern of thinking that's coming out of that, that's being expressed out of that. And God's Word is so powerful and amazing that you can redefine your identity through Him, through Christ, right, who sets us free. Number three is express emotions in constructive ways. So, I mean, you know, again, we get amazing preaching and teaching in this church, but we don't necessarily hear about emotions and, you know, how to express them effectively. And as a bloke, myself, um, you know, my wife can certainly attest to this. I'm probably one of the worst emotional expressors ever. Um, like, I just shut down, I isolate, I don't do emotions very well. Um, I don't even, I didn't even know that I had emotions, to be honest. I, you know, I was just pathetic, and I still am learning in that area, because um, it's easy to teach it. It's another thing to actually do it. Um, but, you know, to be honest, that's something that I've grown and learned, and helping others as well in that. So, identifying, oh, I feel angry. Well, no. Do you feel fearful, maybe? Do you feel stressed? Do you feel anxious? Maybe you feel, um, you know, disappointed, frustrated, whatever it might be. No, I just feel angry. No, no, no. Let's just go deeper layer here and understand what's really going on. And then with the awareness, and this is what I used to think it was weak, you know, the emotional stuff. I don't need that stuff. But actually understanding what's going on emotionally helps you to have strength and awareness so you can actually do something about it. You know, if it's all under the carpet, you're, you know, shifting sands and all this stuff's happening and you're actually, you're, you're still coming out of that space, but as you become aware, you can actually change it. And so for me, that's a real weapon. In fact, that's a phrase I like to use with people is that, you know, understanding your emotions and expressing them is a weapon in, in terms of a better relationship, a better lifestyle, a better healthy way of living. So expressing emotions in constructive ways. And another thing, uh, even as Christians, we love God. You know, we've, we've come, encountered his presence. But we still have to live in the world, right? We still go about our day in our workplaces. We deal with um, personalities that um, conflict with us. 
we deal in relationships as much as you love your spouse. There's going to be problems if you've been married for a minute. Um, you know, as, as whatever's going on, you love your kids, but there's going to be problems there too, you know. So it's about learning how do I be assertive in my communication? How do I put up healthy boundaries in, in toxic relationships? How do I, you know, and not feeling guilty for that as well, you know, when it's justified to do so. Um, all these sorts of ways of being able to express, identify and, and be, be able to deal with that in constructive ways. The, the next point there is dealing therapeutically with past traumas and unhealthy thinking patterns. We all deal with trauma, obviously to differing degrees and what's traumatic for someone might not be for another and, and whatever it might be, but being able to deal with it in a, a therapeutic way, what that means is actually being able to process it, be honest about it, and then being able to move through that experience, learn from it, go through the grief cycle and come to a place of acceptance that also is a place of growth, you know, and... and being Christians, we have an amazing opportunity to do that in a community where we trust each other, where we love each other. We can actually share things and not get condemned for it. Like I've gone through journeys where I started to lose my faith. You know, I'd be like, where is it gone? You know, I can't find it. No, but, um, you know, I used to question God. Are you even real? You know, when, when things happen in my own personal life, like, is God real? Does it, you know, I don't even believe this stuff anymore. Like, do I really believe? So just going through that journey and being able to share that with brothers and sisters in my life at the time um, and that weren't condemning me, that weren't going to put me down was key to my transformation. That's the key to being able to be willing to get the right answer. And a lot of the time you have the answers inside yourself, but, you know, not being able to express it and share keeps it, you know, isolated. I feel like the Lord's saying, like, there's strength in numbers. You know, there's strength. Don't ever forsake the gathering of the body of Christ. You know, often we, we, we think that, oh, I can skip church this week or, you know, the government's saying not to do this or that. But, you know, there is strength in numbers. And I feel the Lord wants us to not ever forget that. Don't ever forsake the gathering of believers. You know, and when we're being true to his word, he will protect us. He will keep us safe. He will help you with whatever the circumstance. If you're being true to his word, you can rest assured, can hold your head up that I'm doing what God's called me to do. Now, don't be a weirdo and just, you know, do weird stuff. But at the same time, you know, just be true to his word and, and let yourself listen to, to, to other mentors and people around you to help you fulfill that word that he has for your life. The last point there is having strategies for dealing with areas of concern. So things like, again, we don't necessarily learn this in church, future planning, problem solving, um, conflict resolution, all that sort of stuff, right? And you can use that in your workplaces, you can use that in your homes, and so psychology, this is what it seeks to do. It tries to help in these areas. It's not about answering the deep and meaningful things and going into all this stuff and putting psychology above God and all that sort of stuff that I used to think, you know, in, in my ignorance. So it's, that's what it tries to help people to do. Next slide. So what psychology cannot do, it can't replace your relationship with God, right? It cannot do that. It's not intended to do that. Just like any science isn't meant to or any field like anything is not meant to replace God. In fact, it can't. And I tried to do that for many years. And who else has been in that place? Come on. Um, you know, try to replace God and try to figure things out with your mind and whatever. It just doesn't work. I'm sorry. You know, and I thought I was like really smart when I figured it out. I'm like, I need a spiritual experience. Um, you know, I'm not the first person. And, and all of us in, the, in this room have also been on that journey, no doubt. So it can't replace God. It can't answer life's deep questions. It can't meet your spiritual needs right? And it can't heal your heart. For me personally, that was something that I and all of us, we need our heart healed 
through the traumas and things we go through, the troubles of life, just being, you know, we are fallen creatures on this earth. You know, we, we are not perfect. Um, and, and all of us have a heart that's been affected um, in our journey of life. And the number one thing that I, I realized, like when I became a Christian, fully, really gave my life to God was peace. Like for the first time in my life, I felt this peace that I could not get anywhere else from anything else. Um, it was just a peace, man. Like I could just sit down for a second and just stop, you know, and just relax and be okay in my own skin for the first time. You know, it's just amazing. And I, I, who else has felt that, that peace before? Who else is living in that place? And look, we have seasons when we're in that and we come out of it because of stuff happening and we get diverted and you can always come back to that place. Even this morning as I'm speaking, you know, that peace that God has for you, that rest by faith, we can enter into that. There's strength in his peace. Let's go to the next slide. What psychology should not do is be used as a vehicle for promoting your own agenda. And I feel that's the case with a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, political, social, or religious. So, again, like as a Christian, that number one, first and foremost, I'm not going to try to push that on someone else who's not willing to receive or wanting to or in a different mindset or whatever. Um, so the same thing goes for someone who's a Muslim or a Buddhist or a non-Christian atheist. And unfortunately, what's happening these days is more and more the atheism side of things or the Buddhist side of things is promoted as this is the way to go. And a Christian, if you say, oh, you know, we should pray in schools or we should read the Bible, man, you're just like excommunicated from, you know, like, and so unfortunately, it's very biased against God, against Christianity in particular. But the reality is that, you know, when you're going to see a psych or, or a therapist or whatever, just be careful and cautious as to what they might be trying to push on you. Um, and, you know, you don't have to just take it all as if it's gospel, because it's not, um, you know, and be just aware of that, you know. So if you don't feel comfortable with what they're sharing that you should try to do, um, it's okay to question that. It's okay to, you know, to say, look, I'm not comfortable with that. I'd rather stick on this side of things. Like, for example, I had a friend who went to a therapist and they were trying to encourage her to do like meditation and all these other yoga stuff and she wasn't comfortable with that you might be and that's your choice but she wasn't comfortable doing those things and she said look i'd rather stick to cbt like cognitive behavioral therapy and just stick on my thought process belief systems and stuff that's really what i'm here for and you know thankfully the therapist was like yeah absolutely that's fine you know so again a good psych should be able to do that and meet you where you're at and help you with what you're coming to within your value system within what you need rather than you know pushing on top of you saying oh you're a christian oh that's stupid or you know and i hear that i hear that's happened you know, many times unfortunately in any profession but in this one the same so just being aware of that and that shouldn't be happening right so for whatever uh, viewpoint the second point there is it should not result in codependency i had a guy come to me and he'd been um, seeing a psychiatrist for like over 20 years um, using the same medication for over 20 years for anxiety and stuff. And it's like, man, like, this is just fully codependent. It's not healthy. Uh, we're going to make some changes, brother. Uh, so it was about helping him realize um, what anxiety is, understanding the emotions, and working through that. And I'll get into this a bit later around you can get better, you can change, you can improve. You don't have to be codependent on your therapist or on a medication or something like that. Um, you know, so... Uh, Codependency as well, it happens in relationships, in couples counselling that I do. Um, I often use the example of a triangle. So, you know, you know that movie, I um, can't remember now, but it says, you complete me. 
oh, you know, I need you. When you leave the room, I'm so empty, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, that's rubbish. That doesn't work in real life, right? Those sort of things. So the triangle, think of a triangle. That's unhealthy. You don't want that. You don't want that dependency on the other person. What you want is a H, H for a healthy household, you know, household, healthy relationship. So you're both standing up on your own feet and you're connected in the middle um, in that H uh, symbol. So that actually, and that connection point, if it's based on good foundation, good solid ground, like the gospel, like Jesus Christ, your faith, you know, not like, oh, we like the same TV show. That's not a good connection. Like that's not a stable thing. You know, what happens when the TV series ends? I'm only joking. Um, but you know what I mean? So things that we become codependent on, are just silly sometimes. And just be aware of that, that you can actually stand on your own feet. You're okay in and of yourself. And again, as Christians, we have that firm foundation, our identity based and founded in Christ. Isn't it great? Isn't it good? Come on. Who's excited this morning? Um, and the last point there is, on oh, the second last point, is should not enable destructive behavior. I sort of touched on it before. What cultural norms and things are saying is not destructive as Christian, as a Christian, I believe, is destructive. Certain relationships, certain um, permitted, you know, things that are happening these days, I disagree. I, 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 not just me, I believe the Bible is very clear on certain things. So, again, as if you're going to a therapist, if you're going to CSI, be aware that, you know, they're not encouraging down a path that is destructive according to Scripture. Um, and they should not be doing that, of course. So, the last point there is, should not lead to the belief that a person cannot change. And again, this is, I've actually heard colleagues say this, and I've heard people say it, Hollywood, I don't know where it comes from, but I've been diagnosed with depression, and I've got it for life. Rubbish, you can change, you can get better. It's very, the statistics, every, the evidence is very clear. You know, you don't, yes, you have a personality style, or you have something that's an enduring way of thinking, or whatever it might be, but you can actually come out of that mental health issue that you're struggling with and get better and improve and develop and, and have hope for your future. And all the more as a Christian as well, that you can actually, you know, get better and improve and change. Praise God. So let's go to the next uh, slide. This is funny because, you know, Dr. William James, he was the father of um, psychiatry and he was an amazing philosopher, psychiatrist, doctor, everything. Um, back in the turn of the 19th century, and he, he used this phrase, and he got all these awards and rewards and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he said, The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human can alter his life by altering his attitude. I was like, Wow, that's amazing, you know, when I first read it. And then I started reading the Bible, and I was like, Hang on a second, let's go to the next slide. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I hear like Dr. William James just plagiarized that one too. Uh, so, and in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, your heart, when you get healed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can actually have a new identity, a new way of thinking. You know, you don't have to keep living in the past. You don't have to keep living in that space that is broken, the deception and the lies of the enemy. And the enemy, man, like, he just... Everything the devil says is a lie. He's the father of lies. So if you flip it, you got the truth. When he comes to you, he says, you're never going to make it. Look at your relationship now. Look at, well, look at what you've done. Look at how you just sinned. Look at what you've just... You just flip it and you got the truth. I am going to make it. I am going to succeed in this relationship. I can do it in Christ Jesus who gives me all strength. And you can start to encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, so don't believe those lies from the enemy. And if you allow yourself to accept the gospel that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, all things have passed away, all 
not a little bit, not a part, not, no, no, that part of my life is still, it's, it's still with me. And all things have become new. <laughs> Come on, like, wh- how amazing is that? You know, if I sat here and I kept reflecting and ruminating on my past, I wouldn't be up here even bothering to share anything because in myself, I'm nothing. But in Christ Jesus, we are something. We are amazing in Him. And He gets all the glory for it. Come on. So let's go to the next slide there. So the takeaway. Basically, it all boils down to the way you see will determine what you see and therefore how you experience it. Right, so two people looking at a rain cloud. One sees a storm coming again. Oh, it's raining again. I kind of felt like that in the last few days. Uh, But you know, another person looking at it, going, "Hey, it's a rain. That's awesome. You know, the farms are going to get a bit of rain. Um, You know, fill up the pool a little bit. Give my car a bit of a wash when I drive into work. Whatever. You know, just one sees a problem, another sees a solution. So how you look at things will determine your experience of it. So important. Next slide." Have you heard of that guy, Nick Vujicic? You know, no arms, no limbs. That, man, when I watched that, that wrecked me, like, in a good way. It made me realize, like, how self-centered I get, how, you know, how I put my own limitations on me so many times, like, I can't do this, can't do that. This guy's got no arms, no legs, and he's just kicking goals, literally. Like, he's, you know, doing an amazing stuff for God because he's allowing the Lord to use him. And so many of us, too, man, like, you can stop condemning yourself, stop putting yourself down. Let the Lord take you to a better place. Let him, let him take you to a place of ministry. Let him take you to a place of strength. You know, let him use you in, in the gifts and talents and stop comparing yourself to others. You know, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just keep in a relationship with him, with the Lord, and just feel like there's an excitement when you spend time with him. You know, let, let the Lord, you know, let you dream again. Dream again. Let him excite you in the sense of, you know, look beyond what, what has happened in your past. Look beyond that stuff and let him take you to new places. Come on. And write it down. If you don't write it down, it doesn't exist. To be honest. It's like, you know, you just keep it in your head. One of the keys is to write stuff down that the Lord speaks to you. Honor it. Um, you know, store it. Reflect on it. Come back to it six months later. And, you know, praise God when the, you know, the promise has been fulfilled. So practical tools. So can a Christian benefit from using psychology? I hope that's coming across that. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely you can. You know, you can get practical tools to help you communicate, dealing in a relationship conflict, um, you know, marriage counselling, going to a, a person that can help mediate the discussions that you're having because um, sometimes it's so hard to, to do that just when it's you two. Um, not getting over-spiritual. You know, I've, I've had the privilege and the honour to help ministers, pastors, people that have been burnt out and, you know, struggling in their faith, but they've been in ministry for a long time. And we can get caught up in being over-spiritual and praying and fasting about everything um, or, you know, avoiding things by using spiritual practices. Um, for example, for me, just to be fully transparent, early on in my marriage, you know, my wife and I having a discussion, a heated discussion, um, and, you know, I would be like, okay, look, stop, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray about it. <laughs> and, you know, she'd be like, what are you doing? Like, we're just talking, you know, we've got to figure this out. I was like, no, no, I'm going to pray. And I realized that was just me being avoidant. I didn't want to deal with the conflict. I didn't want to deal with the truth. And so, you know, it's not over-spiritualizing things is so important. And often we can do that. And not just in Christian world, in any world, like in any, whether you're a Christian or not. You know, you can, avoidance is one of the things that, you know, our defense mechanisms from wanting to deal with the, the hard facts sometimes. You know, it's one of the things that I find in counseling is that when someone comes, they're so fearful of sharing the truth as if I'm going to condemn them, as if I'm going to put them down or something like that. It's just this thing inside of us that we have this guilt complex, you know, and 
we always condemn ourselves, you know. It's just so important to, to not let that happen, you know, and just be like, hey, it's okay. You know, we all struggle. We all go through stuff. And being able to share and express yourself in a safe environment is the key to start to, to make some changes. So it's, it's, imagine if you went to a doctor, right, and, and you have a broken leg or something, and you're like, they're going to condemn me for having a broken leg. Like, it's just silly, you know. So it's the same sort of thing. And unfortunately, I know how that can happen in, in, in certain communities and stuff like that as well. And we've all gone through um, situations like that, unfortunately. But I pray and I hope that in this church you find that safety, you find that ability to express and share things with the pastors or with mentors or leaders that you trust and you can actually share things and open up and be healed. Um, and... The third point there is about creating balance for your life, spirit, soul, and body. You know, the soul, the mind, your will, your emotions, being able to, to identify and become aware of what, how that interaction happens. You know, your behaviors are an echo of your belief systems. So if you've accepted something to be true about yourself that isn't in line with God's word, you know, you can actually line that up. This behavior, the way I'm acting, the way I'm treating my spouse, my kids, that's not who I really am. If it was, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, me yelling at my kids, that's, that's not how, how God's called me to, to interact with my kids. You know, or me, you know, making some shady deals on the side at work or something. Like, that's not how God's called me to, to live my life either. So, you know, that doesn't line up with my true identity in Christ. So my behavior comes out of my identity. So if I see myself as, as, as Jesus sees me, as righteous, as redeemed, um, you know, by his grace, man, like I can actually start to change how I act and how I even think about myself and that's going to determine the expression of that. That's good stuff. I needed to hear that. So next point there is about um, training for areas that no one really teaches us. And again, like, you know, I can't remember really, you know, um, you know, going through church or my parents or whatever, teaching me how to have a conflict resolution, you know. Um, we kind of pick it up by osmosis, but often we don't, you know. We don't learn these things in life. But future planning, problem solving, um, you know, relationship advice, conflict resolution, even parenting skills. And the, you know, scripture is chock full of all this stuff, but we sometimes need help to extrapolate it to actually be able to apply it. And for me personally, just having the space and the time to go and talk to someone it's powerful, you know, like you actually separate yourself for a time to do that. It can be really, really useful. Um, and again, doing it, you know, just in your mind or in yourself can be really difficult to identify what even needs to change or how to make that happen. So taking that time to do that can be really useful. Next slide. Should believers be suspicious of psychology? And all the anxious people said, amen. <laughs> oh, I'm joking, sorry. Um, but... You know, absolutely, absolutely, because help greatly depends on who your treater is, who your therapist is. So just like you wouldn't go to, and this works with everything. It's not just psychology, obviously. I'm not bagging out the field. Like if you go to a real estate agent and they're trying to make a, a shady deal on a, on a property or something, you're not going to want to interact with them as a Christian. I hope not. You know, even though you might get money or whatever, it's not worth it from your value system. It's not worth it selling your soul to that sort of stuff. So it's the same thing with any, any profession, anything. It's just, it really does determine who's giving you that service, you know, and the kind of service that you're receiving. Always have the Word of God as the final authority. It's so important to never put, you know, anything above the Word of God as the truth. You know, even your feelings, you know, and unfortunately we've become so feelings driven in this culture today that I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like talking nicely to my spouse. I don't feel like dealing with, 
it was all feelings, feelings, man. Like feelings will change from, I wake up in the morning sometimes, I feel miserable, by lunchtime I'm having the best day ever. You know, so your feelings will shift and change throughout the day depending on what you're thinking, you're focused on, on your environment, where you're putting yourself, whether you're allowing yourself to receive, um, you know, positivity from those around you, encouragement, you know, and number one from, from the Lord, you know, what he thinks about me. We've all got a constant source of goodness from the Lord, you know. Um, so... Know what type of help you want as well. Isn't psychology infused with Eastern religions and meditations? Um, look, to be honest, more and more it's becoming that way. It's been that way for a while now, but certainly it's becoming more mainstream. And there's certainly evidence out there for, you know, the, the power of meditation, um, you know, the importance of being mindful, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not against that stuff at all. Don't hear me wrong. But in Joshua chapter 1, it says God was calling his people to meditate. All right, you're all thinking, like, what's Nathan saying? Meditate on the Word. <laughs> so, you know, it's just important what you're meditating on, chewing the cud, so to speak, right? Meditating on the Word, allowing yourself to, to be in that place with the Lord and, and thinking and, and focused on Him. I'm not against mindfulness either. And look, a lot of mindful practices, grounding techniques, breathing, it's good stuff, you know? Like, the first thing that goes out the window when you get anxious is your breathing, right? You stop breathing, you go into fight-flight response and all of that sort of thing. And that then increases... Um, you know, more and more of the, uh, you know, the anxiety that's there. So it's really important to, um, it's really important to, uh, you know, allow yourself to um, go into that place with the Lord. Just dealing with the situation there. Praise God. Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to let yourself go into that place where, you know, you allow yourself to be mindful and meditate on the, on the things of God. You know, and so mindful, I love it because it's being full in my mind of, of Him. So the next, next point there is around um, picking and choosing what's going to work for you. So some people deal really well with CBT, others don't. Others prefer DBT or ACT, ACT. Um, different methods and, and, and types of therapies. And it's really about you being aware and, and addressing those things in the way that you feel comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with picking and choosing. It's like if you go to a doctor, they'll give you a range of options on different types of treatment, different kinds of medication. And, you know, you can choose what's going to be most effective for you personally based on your values, what you feel comfortable with, right? So um, it's, it's important to do that. The last point there is do not take any psychological practice as a form of godliness, right? And again, I've, I've just put that there because I personally went through that and, you know, discovering like these things and thinking, oh my goodness, uh, this is better than prayer or this is better than God, you know, and I, that was my own ignorance and at the time and sort of putting those things above God and that's not, obviously, that's unhealthy to do and um, I would encourage you not to do that. So the next point, the next slide, sorry. Some practical examples of helpful psychology. So just to really bring home that, that message around, okay, where does psychology fit in the bigger scheme of things and perhaps even in your own personal world as a Christian? So, for example, um, this was taken from a study back in 2015 and uh, what, what the study was around is non-communicable diseases, NCD, kill nearly 40 million people each year. 82% of these deaths are accounted for by four, gripes, four groups of diseases cardiovascular disease, cancers, respiratory diseases, and diabetes. Research shows that 80% of heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes, and over a third of cancers could be prevented by eliminating these four risk factors. What are they? Poor diet, excessive alcohol, 
smoking and inadequate physical activity. So simply by making some life changes, lifestyle choices, uh, you can actually reduce your risk of dying, being one of those 40 million people that die from those non-communicable diseases. As in like, it's, it's in a sense, it's, it's internal. It, you, don't, you can't um, transfer that disease to someone else. So it's so important. And where psychology can assist is it comes in to help people develop these healthy, um, these effective health promotion behaviors, right? And, you know, of how people with obesity try to reduce weight, coming to a healthier weight level so they can be more functional, more engaging with their family and kids and um, coming, you know, just changing your mindset. We all know how powerful exercise is, physical exercise, physical activity um, for, you know, your mindset, your positivity, all of that. And, you know, it's so important in those areas. So the next point. Um, I want to go a little bit deeper now and really specific on something that I, I might do in a, in a counselling session, looking at unhelpful thinking uh, styles. So these are like uh, signs on a road. So you go on 100 on the motorway or 110, um, some of you are a little bit faster, and you're coming to, uh, you know, get off, coming off the pass there and you start to slow down because you see the 80 sign, right? And this is the same sort of thing. We're all going to do this in one way or another, um, just part of the fallen nature of man. But, you know, when you become aware of the stop sign, or you become aware of the speed sign, it helps you to start to slow it down. So if you are becoming aware of doing some of these unhelpful thinking th uh, styles, you can actually start to tailor it and, and do the opposite or try something different. So the first one there is all or nothing thinking, sometimes called black and white thinking. If I'm not perfect, I have failed. Who's ever said that before? <laughs> or I'm not even going to try unless I can do it perfectly. Right? Who's done that before? And all the procrastinators in the room say, Amen. You know, we don't even bother trying because I can't do it perfectly or I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. You probably will. And it's okay. Just get started. You know, and so that can be something that really holds us back. Another unhelpful thinking style is overgeneralizing. We might say something like, Everything is always rubbish. Right? We're using those generalizations, you know, everything always. And that's just not true. It's not always rubbish. Not everything, you know, there's certainly rubbish that happens, but not everything. So it's being aware of the truth that is, you know, hidden away in that unhelpful way of thinking. The next point there is uh, mental filter. So only paying attention to certain types of evidence. So an example of that is noticing your failures, but not seeing your successes. You know, it's a, it, they say that it's a, it takes um, seven positives to make up for one negative. Right? So it's like it's, it's, we're kind of at a bit of a loss sometimes, you know, but encouragement, positivity, noticing your successes, it's, it's a work that takes, you know, you need to work at it to be able to build yourself up, to encourage yourself. Just like King David in the scriptures, he was depressed, he was downtrodden, he was in despair, and he put on the ephod, the, the worship garment that represents the worship garment, and he put it on to, to enter into the presence of God and encourage himself in, in the Lord. That's what he literally says. In a place of praise, in worship, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. So it's noticing your successes rather than always noticing your failures. And the biggest thing in that is condemnation. You know, so often um, I've dealt with people in the Christian community that just condemn themselves so much from a, a messed up view, a, a skewed view of, of, of God and, and the gospel. And, you know, if you have that... that awareness of your righteousness in Christ, of his grace, of his goodness, um, you can be free of that. Even this morning, I pray that that starts to happen if you have that. Um, let's go to the next one. I'm not going to belabor these because they're quite, um, quite lengthy, but there's a whole bunch there, you know, jumping to conclusions. One of my favorites, 
uh, happens in church all the time. Uh, oh, I said hi to Justin. He didn't say hi to me. You know, he just walked past me. He didn't even notice me. How dare he? You know, I start thinking, oh, it's because, you know, it's because uh, he doesn't like me or, oh, he's thinking this or that. I'm jumping to conclusions. Two plus two equals five. No, it's not true. You know, I'm assuming, I'm emotional reasoning, I'm, I'm thinking something that's not true. And we can often do that. We all do it. Come on. Um, you know, so it's just being aware of that and, you know, allowing yourself to be like, okay, just because I think something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And in that situation, I would, you know, just go up to Justin and say, hey, man, how are you going? You know, just really engage with him rather than just, you know, passing by um, and just find out, you know, is anything wrong? You know, hey, man, how are you doing? Just talk and, you know, be able to engage. And Matthew, um, in I think it was Matthew 5, I can't remember exactly where, but in the book of Matthew, it says, you know, if you have an issue with your brother, go and talk to him. Go and confront him. Go and have a chat. You know, so it's the same thing with this stuff is just being aware that, you know, you can actually change that pattern of thinking. Let's go to the next one. And then labeling. So assigning labels to yourself or other people. Things like, and again, this comes back to the enemy, man. Like he loves to label you in a lie, in a deception. He loves to say things like, and, and you'll hear it as if it's your voice if you're not careful. I'm a loser. You know, I'm hopeless. I'm never going to make it. All that sort of stuff. And it's a, it's a lie. That is not the truth about who you are. You know, it's so important to come back to Scripture. One of the things that really transformed my, my life is coming back to the Word of God and what He says about me rather than on my external experience. So even though I'd messed up, I'd done something I shouldn't have done, I kept coming back to know I'm, I'm in, in Jesus. I'm in the Lord. I'm in Him. That wasn't, that's not cool. I shouldn't have done that. That was a behavior. That's, that's my old self. That's my old past. And I'm still growing and learning and developing, but that's not who I really am. I'm really as Jesus says I am. And that's a journey, and that takes time to develop and grow in that, in that space, in that maturity. And as you grow in it, it becomes easier and easier. It just becomes a default. It becomes a default in the sense of you do something that's, that's not true or someone does something to you, you know, and, and you start to immediately go back to that place of the Holy Spirit reminding you of His Word, of His promises, of who you really are in Christ. And it's powerful. Let's go to the next one. Someone getting something out of this morning? Come on, amen. Amen. Me too. It's good. <laughs> so I know if, you do, if, you, if you're preaching or you're saying something and you don't even listen to yourself, then you probably shouldn't say it. Um, you know, it's important. So these are the things that, you know, some practical examples. I was going to do some grounding and distraction stuff, but yeah, I don't think we've got time for that. Let's go to the next one. So I'm almost done, but in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, maybe I'll get the, uh, the musician. Uh, sorry, just the keyboard player. Thank you. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Right? So, in Scripture, that's why I've got a job, because God said it, ha- it actually works. When we renew our mind, we can actually be transformed. Right? And when we do that through the Word of God, it's not fickle, it doesn't change, it doesn't shift like today, this is cool, tomorrow it's not. You know, in the Word of God, it's in black and white, it's very clear what's okay, what's not okay, and it helps give us a, a path. It says in, in the Psalms that your Word is a light unto my feet, and a, a, you know, it helps us to, to know the way to go, it helps us to see clearly. And so when we allow the Word of God to, to seep in, and like in, it says in the parable of the sower, you actually let the seed, the Word of God, start to germinate, start to produce in your life, you can actually let it you know, develop fruit and be, be productive in your heart. 
and it, it starts to change you and transform you. Who's experienced that? Come on. Who's experienced the Word of God transforming their lives? Amen. We've all been through stuff, man. Like we've all been through trials and troubles and we're going to keep going through stuff. Jesus didn't say you're not going to go through a storm. He goes, I'm going to be with you in the storm. You know, He gives us peace through the storm. He goes through the situation. He's in the boat with you. He's in the situation with you. And one of the things that I, I really just love about God is that, look, I'd rather go through stuff in life with God than without Him. Come on, like it's so often we, we allow ourselves to go through stuff without Him and He's just sitting there waiting, like, come on, I'm, I'm here for you, I'm, I'm wanting. And even using me this morning, I hope, as a mouthpiece to, to let you know that He's there with you, whatever the situation, whatever the trial, the struggle, whatever it might be, you know, and maybe He's calling you to be that person for someone else. You know, He loves us so much. He loves us so much. So why don't we do Romans 12, verse 2 right now and uh, just stand up. And we're going to read through Romans um, chapter 3, verse 21. Praise God. We're going to read through Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And we're just going to let the Word of God just renew our minds this morning. So if that's your heart, that's your prayer this morning, to just let the Word of God seep into your, into your soul, into your spirit this morning. Why don't we do that right now? In verse 21 it says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this right standing with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Not one of you is without. Not one of you is excluded from that promise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we're all justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that we could be made just so he so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in jesus verse 27 where then is boasting it is excluded because of what law the law that requires works no because of the law that requires faith for we maintain that a person is justified. When we say, I maintain that I am justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold it. We do more in relationship with God by mistake than when we try to do it on purpose in our own strength. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you want that relationship with the Lord this morning, I want to encourage you to come up the front. We're going to pray with you. And you're coming up the front, not because you know anything special is going to happen up here, but just as a sign, as a declaration in your own heart. You know what's happening. I did it. It felt awkward when I first did it you know, many years ago. Uh, but I just came to a point of saying, I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care. I'm going to throw myself out there and let myself dive into God's love, dive into His presence, dive into His grace, because I'm tired. I'm sick. I'm tired of living in my own strength, in my own self. If you want His peace, you want His rest this morning, if you want to do things by His righteousness 
be made right standing with him right now you can do that by faith and you can rest assured that that is the case in his word many 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 of us have experienced that right many of us have experienced that in this place and as the musicians come up we're just going to spend some time in worship and if that's you this morning and you want to experience that relationship with the lord and come into a place of union with him i want to encourage you to come up the front and we're just going to pray for you guys in a moment so let's just worship him as we just spend time in his presence a few more moments this morning thank you jesus thank you lord we just thank you jesus if you've already received the lord then Amen. That's amazing. That's such a blessing, and you know it is. But just let the Word of God encourage you this morning. Let that Word just seep in deep and produce fruit in your life. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We just thank you so much for what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we just worship Him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 